Jesus is the only one who can rescue a boy possessed by a demon. No one else can help this child. Even the disciples fail. The demon which has possessed him is so stubborn that only Jesus can solve this problem. Before such a problem, the only hope is prayer, the plaintive cry of God's Christian people of every generation, Lord, have mercy. Or as the Father in our text said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus has conquered all our foes, even our own foolish and wavering hearts, and delivered us into the hands of his and our loving Father. Are you ready to take the only by prayer adventure with Jesus? Welcome to the Sandhills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The title of this sermon on the 16th Sunday of Pentecost is Only by Prayer. This is a sermon on Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Thanks be to God. Now, let's get to the sermon. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today reads like an eyewitness account. It has uh, a man on the ground reporting live kind of feeling to it. And I'm guessing that the eyewitness of this eyewitness account is Peter, because, uh, and most commentators agree with this, uh, many think that Peter was the key eyewitness for Mark's gospel. So I'm retelling the story from Peter's perspective. Are you ready to embrace the only by prayer Adventure. This is what Peter may have thought that Jesus meant when he said, this kind of spirit cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Peter looked at the faces of the other disciples who had earlier tried to cast out a demon with their own power but failed. They were sitting in a house waiting for Jesus to come in and to explain the amazing, somewhat bizarre events that had just occurred. And when Jesus entered into the house, the disciples were ready with this question. They asked him, why could we not cast the demon out of the boy? And that is when Jesus gave them the command and the gift of prayer. This is the first time in in their ministry adventure that Jesus told them to pray. Oh, they had seen Jesus pray before. Um, They had seen Jesus pray to his heavenly father before, often alone, and often before they moved on to the next big adventure of ministry with him. But this time, this time he told them that it is important that they pray. It is important to pray. How else can you expect to drive out the the evil spirit? How else can you expect to do anything in ministry but by prayer? Only 
by prayer. Now, before Jesus cast out the mute spirit from the boy, Peter and James and John, the inner circle disciples, were alone with Jesus on a mountain. Well, they weren't exactly alone. Moses was there, and so also was the prophet Elijah. And the voice, the voice of God the Father. God the Father was there. Peter would later write of this mountaintop experience. 2 Peter chapter 1. We were eyewitnesses of his, Jesus' majesty. Jesus was, Peter saw Jesus transfigured, changed on that mountain saw his glory, his majesty. And for when he received the honor and glory from God the Father and the voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So with this majestic, this bright scene still etched in Peter's memory, he also remembered partway down the mountain as they were coming down the mountain, he also remembers something Jesus said, something strange to James and John and himself. He charged them, Jesus did, to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Peter and James and John looked at each other and they tried to make sense of what Jesus had said. What did rising from the dead mean? And that's what they were talking about. What did rising from the dead mean? What did Jesus mean as they were walking down the mountain? And then as they were discussing this question and coming down the mountain and into the plain, then they see this commotion, this swirling mass of humanity, a crowd. Then they could pick out some disciples, the other disciples, the rest of the disciples. They could also pick out scribes, religious leaders, and then the disciples were arguing with the scribes, and then the scribes were pointing fingers and wagging their heads at the disciples, and then there was the crowd circling and converging and emerging and converging, and it looked like a scrum in a rugby game. (laughs) But with a difference, there was no purpose, just confusion. It was more like the crowds gathered before a store on Black Friday, you know, pre-pandemic days, right before the doors open and then the people burst through, rush in and get their big screen television. It was a scene. That is an understatement. Peter must have thought that everyone seemed possessed. Then the crowd saw Jesus. They saw Jesus coming down the mountain with Peter and James and John. And the crowd saw Jesus. And Peter then heard the gasps of amazement, the looks of recognition. There's Jesus, the teacher, the healer. The miracle worker is here. And then the crowd begins to run toward Jesus. And then Jesus stops them with a question. It's a question given with authority. What is going on here? (laughs) What are you arguing about? And in answer, out of that formless crowd, a form appears. It's a someone who appears 
Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. They were not able. Peter heard this. They were not able. The disciples of Jesus were powerless. The scribes were also powerless. The crowd was powerless. This someone who turned out to be a desperate father was powerless, and his son was powerless. Everyone is powerless. Everyone. Everyone except Jesus. The helplessness of the others could not stop Jesus from doing what he came to do, to save people and to be strong for them. And then Peter heard Jesus say in response, oh, faithless generation, as Jesus looked around at the crowd. Oh, faithless generation. You know, Peter, a student of Scripture, heard the phrase, oh, faithless generation, and he heard the rebuke, Jesus' rebuke of the crowd that echoed down the centuries of hard-hearted Israel, unbelieving Israel. This phrase, you could say, was hyperlinked Oh, faithless generation was hyperlinked to Yahweh's complaint to Moses about hard-hearted Israel. Numbers 14, verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? But hard-hearted hearts (laughs) could not stop Jesus from doing what he came to do, to crush those hard hearts and to give them new hearts so that they would know their Lord and he, they would once again be his people. They couldn't stop him. That couldn't stop him. Bring him to me, Jesus said. And they brought the boy to him. And the spirit in the boy, that mute spirit, saw Jesus and did not like this attention from the Christ, the Son of the living God, and immediately he threw this boy into a demonic-infused epileptic fit. And like a doctor, then, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening? The father explained that his boy has been attacked by this demon since the beginning, If you can do anything, help him. Have compassion. If I can help, my Father in heaven can do anything for those who believe in him. So this father, this desperate father, cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. And the boy harassed, harassed all his life by the spirit lake, convulsing and foaming at the mouth. The father and the boy were both harassed and faith was feeble. But no one and nothing could stop Jesus from saving the harassed ones from doing what Jesus came to do, 
to rescue people and to make him his father's dear children, to steal them back from Satan, that which did not belong to him and those that did not belong to him. Peter sees Jesus looking down at the boy. The boy is convulsing. Jesus looks up at the crowd coming at them. The crowd is circling, circling and converging, eager to see a circus act. The father's face, Peter remembers, it's so clear in his memory, the father's face is a mask of agony. And he remembers his prayer, the prayer to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief, still echoes in Peter's memory. And the manic strength of the child convulsing in his demonic fit, but Jesus is not distracted by any of these things. Helpless disciples, hard-hearted crowd, harassed child, everyone is powerless, everyone except Jesus He is not powerless. He rebukes the demon. It leaves the child. The poor boy lies on the ground like a corpse. Most everyone said, he's dead. Someone shouts out, he's dead. But Jesus is not distracted. He takes the child by the hand and raises him up. He stands him up. The boy is raised. The child is resurrected. Peter now sees the boy standing, and not that long ago, but it seems like forever, Peter and James and John were coming down the mountain and discussing what Jesus had meant by rising from the dead. This is what it means to rise from the dead. And what Peter doesn't know, and what we all know, what we all know, that in the near future, and what Peter didn't know at the time, but we know it, that in the near future, another son of a father, the son of the heavenly father, will suffer and die on the cross. And the crowds circling and converging to see a show, death on display. Jesus will die for the helpless. Jesus will die for the hard-hearted ones. Jesus will die for the ones harassed by sin and every evil. And the devil and his demons will hiss and the crowds will say, he's dead. And Jesus' body, his corpse will lie in a tomb for three days. And his father will raise him from the dead, standing him up. The demons are defeated and death itself is undone. You and I, we all have a date with death. And we all have stood helpless while our loved ones are held tightly in the grips of sin, death, and the devil. And doesn't our adversary, Satan, set many traps, such as addiction, divorce, mental illness, or something else? You and I are helpless before these things. You and I have people, dear ones in our lives, who suffer Satan's evil, and we cannot help the man or the woman whom we love who suffers those things. Dear brothers 
and sisters, people of God, both here at Bingham Lutheran Church and those listening later on to this podcast, I'd like to think that I am strong and capable person. I live in relative safety and comfort. Maybe this is why I can think, you know, that, that I am strong. But I definitely can't stop that train from coming. So let's let it pass for a little bit. <laughs> so I think, and I like to think that I am a strong and capable person. I do live in relative safety and comfort, and maybe that's why I can think this way, that I am not helpless, but I am helpless. How about you? Are, are, many times I'm, I'm made helpless. Our enemy likes to keep us in a kind of a comfortable complacency. He gaslights us by whispering uh, this lie. Hey, it's okay. Don't think too much about just how serious this situation is, really. There are many times in my life where I am as helpless and hard-hearted and harassed as those in our text. And you and I are, are like the helpless disciples. You and I are like the helpless father. And this is a bit frightening to say, but honest, you and I are like this child. In this way, we are helpless as this child. And we now know what Peter and the rest of the disciples found out that day when they came down the mountain and into the plain with the father and the boy. There is only one way for us to turn, Jesus Jesus has great things to say for helpless children. Today he casts out a demon, and the devil who torments us in the death which we suffer at his hands are no match for our Savior, a strong Savior, compassionate Savior. The world and our sinful flesh will betray us time and time again, even within the walls of this church, perhaps especially in the walls of this church, but Jesus is always there to save. And we proclaim the rescuer today, a strong savior, the strong savior. He has come to rescue the weak and the helpless. So dear brothers and sisters, people of God, both here at Bingham Lutheran Church, those listening later on to the podcast, are you ready? Are you ready to embrace the only by prayer adventure? Are you a man, a woman, who lives out their faith in God only by prayer? That is, to call upon our God as dear children call upon their dear Father. Is this something that feels good? Or is it something that you run from? Jesus says that he can cast this demon out raise this dead child, love this foolish father, and even help his helpless disciples because he prays. And that prayer is the audible manifestation of a deep and eternal and unmovable relationship that he has with the father. 
And he draws his strength from the Father, and that well is infinitely deep. Death, Satan, and all that is wrong with the world is no match for God's loving strength through Jesus. His ministry is one triumph after another against the degradations of sin. He is setting the world aright. With every lame man healed, every demoniac cleansed, every blind person given sight. The Father spoke for me and you when he said, I believe the Father in the story. I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus helped him despite his wavering faith, his feeble faith. And my enemies within and without are met not with my strength, but by the immeasurable strength of Jesus. The Father in this text is truly one of us. I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus hears that prayer, and with the same loving power that cast out the demon, raised the dead, he gives us not just faith, but his faith. He takes our sins and gives us his relationship with the Father, as Paul says in Galatians 2, chapter 20, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 20, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. We can pray like Jesus prays, confident that we are heard, calling upon God as Father, just as Jesus does. We have the secret to the power which transcends the universe itself. All enemies, all the enemies lie vanquished before us. And Jesus later tells his disciples that prayer is the answer. Prayer is not a, you know, it's not a magic button which, but, uh, with which we manipulate God. Prayer, real prayer, puts us in the hands of God. He takes control of the situation. He is in charge of the answers and the way this happens. We are not. Real prayer is admitting Jesus is the one who changes everything. Jesus has conquered all our foes. He has conquered even our own foolish and wavering hearts. He has healed them and creates renewed hearts. Jesus has delivered us into the hands of his and our loving Father. So dear brothers, sisters, you are ready to embrace the only by prayer adventure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.